scripture reading comes from Joel chapter 2 verses 28 to 29. It says, And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The second scripture is from Luke chapter 1 verses 46 to 55. It says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his, hand, with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. So Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he, has, just as he promised our ancestors. Good morning, everyone. Uh, today we're doing something a little bit different where we have Monica joining us for this talk. So both of us will be sharing a little bit, some interaction, and hopefully um, you'll be blessed by it. So I'm going to just start with a story from August of 2018. A 15-year-old girl by the name of Greta Thunberg started a, 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 some school uh, climate strikes and public speeches. She was inspired by a group of youth who refused to go back to school after a school shooting that happened in the United States in February of 2018. And so then, being inspired by that, she decided to start a school strike for climate change. She would later on become viral, as most of you know her to be, uh, for her speech at a United Nations conference for climate change where she pointedly accuses adults for creating and perpetuating a world that ignores what our lifestyles uh, is doing to creation and how we need to do something about it now. During the height of her popularity, there were those who praised her, but also those who would mock and criticize her. Yeah, I get it. You can't please everyone, but what was shocking was the fact that there were these world leaders, people we've put into power who would mock her and criticize her. They called her a brat, that she didn't understand the complexities of, of our world and she was too young to know better, and that she should stop being so angry. When she won Time's Person of the Year Award in 2019, the former president of the United States tweeted this about her. Uh, okay, I'm not going to do an impression. I was thinking of doing an impression. Let's look at the first one. She says, so ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Do you need me to read that phrase? <laughs> yes, okay. Uh, it says... So ridiculous, Greta must work on her anger management problem, then go to a good old-fashioned movie with a friend. 
Chill, Greta. Chill. And look at her response. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> look at her response. I thought it was amazing. It says, a teenager working on her anger management problem, currently chilling and watching a good old-fashioned movie with a friend. I love that response to Trump. It was, it was not just good, but also very mature and adult-like. But isn't there some truth to the criticism that Greta faced? She is too young and doesn't really know the ways of the world. Her ideas are just too idealistic and unrealistic. We say stuff like, yeah, sure, great ideas, but sure, uh, and, but, and they might be good principles to live by, but really, you think big corporations will change? Really, do you think people will give up all that money? You'll realize when you get older that things are the way they are. Those youngins don't really know the grown-up world. In this season of Advent, we're looking at the Song of Mary. We're looking at the Song of Mary that is referred to as the Magnificat. It is called the Magnificat because in Latin, the word literally means the first lines of this song. My soul magnifies the Lord. The Magnificat, the Magnificat is one of eight ancient Christian hymns that the early church has sung and has been part of the church's hymn book from the beginning. And one of the amazing things about this song is that throughout history, this song resonated with those who were oppressed and marginalized. It rung something true of their experience and gave them hope of something different, something revolutionary. In fact, her song has been a threat to the powers to be and has been banned from being read or sung in many different places. In 1805, the song was banned in India during the British colonial administration. In 1970, it was banned in Argentina after Mothers of the Disappeared used it to call for nonviolent resistance. And in the 1980s, it was banned in Guatemala. Her song is not just a nice, feel-good song from a, a pregnant teenage girl. It was a song about the new kingdom of God. Listen to what she says in verse 52. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Mary herself was a socially and politically marginalized Jew. Her nation was living under the Roman Empire rule, and she was engaged to be married to a carpenter, which just showed her station in life. She was born in a small town of Nazareth and even refers to herself as someone of a humble state. Lastly, we cannot forget that she was a young teenage girl in a society dominated by men. This is where I believe the song from a pregnant teenage girl can speak to us and to the children and youth in our society that are oppressed and marginalized. Or at least they are dismissed because of their age. Many of you know Monica Kay, and who works for Youth Unlimited as the director of Launch. Monica, thanks for being here with us today again. And uh, can you share a little bit about your own experience working with youth and how it reflects or, or your reflection uh, on Mary's song and your work with Launch? Well, thank you, Sam, and thanks for the opportunity to reflect on Mary's song. I actually had never realized um, 
just its power or any of those stories of how it's been used sort of against oppression. And uh, I really appreciated reading it with new eyes, so thank you for that, and hearing Aaron's talk last week. Um, so as I was looking at Mary's song more closely, I really was struck, as you said, by how aware she was of kind of her place, um, her, the humble state of his servant, as she says, um, and by recognizing the very fact that God has chosen her, what that says about God, and, uh, and his character. And so as I looked at it, I thought, well, she is realizing that he is holy, he is great, he is worthy of praise, merciful, everlasting, mighty, and present, adverse to unhealthy and oppressive power dynamics, helpful, cares for the hungry and poor, um, and he's aware of his people, and he's faithful. And what I see in this is that Mary is experiencing God in his character, his reality, and his presence. So for us at launch, um, this is actually one of our main prayers for the youth and young adults in our programs, is that they experience God. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with Launch, it is a leadership development program. And again, we come alongside 14 to 25, 26-year-olds with the hope to equip them and inspire them um, to walk in their God-given potential and to grow spiritually and in character and in their leadership. Um, and we do this through a grade 11 leadership course and also just People apply to our programs, young adults apply, um, and we help them make a difference in this world uh, and impact a community. So as I said, this is one of our prayers, is that as these young leaders take big steps, small steps, um, to make a kingdom difference, that they experience God. Um, we really do hope that they see his type of leadership and his helpful presence um, and ultimately his love for them. So can I tell you one story? One story stands out to me, and those of you who have been around Launch or me for a while, you, you might already know the story, but it's one of my favorites. Uh, so part of our program is that we do Leadership 360 with the, the participants. So that means they fill out kind of this 360 that talks about 12 attributes, you know, be it skills or character or qualities of leadership, and then they get feedback from other people. And they kind of see like, oh, this is where, you know, my feedback is parallel to what I thought, or hey, I graded myself really poorly here, and I'm awesome, and everyone else thought I was really awesome. And then there's an opportunity sometimes for painful blind spots, you know, those ones where you think you're really solid at something, and other people give you this gentle feedback sometimes that you're not as strong at that area. Well, this one young man in our program, he got a painful blind spot in the area of Christ-likeness. And, and he shared humbly with our group that uh, in one class, actually, that he wanted to grow in this area, that he was going to commit himself to more prayer and time in God's word. And, uh, and, and he did that. He went on to do that. And for his community project, his heart was for the homeless because we actually do the street walk Usually this year it was on Zoom, not quite the same, <laughs> but we do street walk and interact with homeless people and that really touched him. So he wanted to impact the homeless people in his area. But of course, well not necessarily of course, but he was too young to work directly. There was one man who ran um, uh, work with some homeless men and, and this young man was too young to go on the street. So he kind of humbly asked, sorry, did I just drop my microphone? Yes, I did. Please. Excuse me. Um, I move too much when I walk, I guess. Or talk. Um, so, hold on. 
the live aspect. Okay. Um, so anyway, so he kind of asked me, like, what can I do then? And the guy's like, you know, if you made peanut butter and jam sandwiches, that would free up four hours a week for me to, you know, do fundraising or better care for the men on the street. And so uh, this is, that's what this student did. He was like, okay, he got his cousin, his best friend, his sister, um, and they made peanut butter and jam sandwiches as much as they could uh, for weeks. And um, the cool thing is, uh, what is the cool thing? That's what he did. Okay, so I want to say about the experiencing God part. By the end of the year, we actually did see this young man's character transform. Um, from being a little hoity-toity at the beginning, he was a bit more humble and kind to others in the class, more gracious. Um, we heard him just talk about how he actually spent time in prayer because they were running out of peanut butter or whatever it might be, and um, we saw his character change. And then the other amazing thing um, is that they had made hundreds of sandwiches, even though this young guy hated peanut butter. Two years later, we did a launch event. We invited him to come and speak. And um, he was still making sandwiches. We actually didn't know he was still making sandwiches. This is two years later. So you can picture the amount of sandwiches. And this is where else he experienced God, is in all of these years, he had not once paid for peanut butter, jam, or bread. Whenever their supplies got low, they would show up on the doorstep. Or a grocery store would hear about it. And he would be able to continue making sandwiches. So this student was able to genuinely praise God uh, for his loving and mighty and caring hand on his project, on his life, and on the life of those men on the street. So kind of bottom line is that young people can make a difference. Not all will be Greta, um, but they are all really important and their voices are important. Yeah, I was thinking while you're telling me that story just now that his involvement gave opportunities for even other people to come around and, and support him and be the hand of God in providing these, mm -hmm. uh, sand, like, you know, all the um, materials that he needed. So that, I thought that was kind of cool, too, part of the story. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it reminded me of how sometimes that little change in trajectory, right? When we talk about angles, we're over here, an angle of one mm -hmm. degree may not look huge, but mm -hmm. when you look further down the line, it, it makes a, a massive, a massive difference. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, you, you were mentioning before that that YU was also part of a, um, had a training day on Gen Z. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, it's true. So for Youth Unlimited, for those of you who aren't familiar with Gen Z, this is essentially 8 to 23-year-olds born 1997 uh, to 2012. And for Youth Unlimited, this is a major area of the young people that we work with, but it's also who we're recruiting and encouraging to come join us in ministry. So understanding um, this age group, this generation, is really important. So actually, two of my friends, Alex Street and Lenise Linwood, came and shared. Uh, for those of you who want an expert in this area for work or anything like that, let me know, and I can put you in touch with Alex Street. But um, they shared you know, a few interesting facts. For example, this generation, um, Gen Z, is about 17% of Canada's population. Um, there, is, there are lots of studies going on in regards to faith. About 40% of this generation are not related or they're not um, affiliated with religion. 60% found that church is not relevant, and 32 say church isn't safe to express doubts. 
And I'm sure, actually I know, uh, they have lots of questions and they need this place to ask them. Also, over half this generation admit to stress and anxiety, which is more than other generations have. Uh, I'm sure the 24-hour news feed, and, and there's lots of good things about technology and globalization, but this might be part of it. But on the cool side, this generation is also the most educated, and they want to join the workforce in a job that they are passionate about. So even if it means they're going to make less money, and of course, this is a, a generalization of it, but generally, this, this Gen Z, they want to make a difference. They want to have an impact, and they want authenticity um, in their leaders and in, the, in what they do. Um, the other thing is that they would like to be included in the conversation. Um, and dare I say, like, I feel the same with diversity, right? They added diversity. They have a really important voice. Um, my friend Alex said, you know, they don't want to be stuck at the kids' table, right? Where they're kind of yelling what they want to say. They want to be invited to the table to be heard and participate. Um, and finally, kind of what we were talking about is um, both Alex and Lenise highlighted the importance of relevant, authentic relationship and coaching. Um, so it's not like this generation's like, we don't need any help. Like they, they want people to come alongside them, uh, which is really beautiful. And in this, the people who come alongside them get to be inspired and learn as well. And actually, as I was reading and preparing today, um, you know, our passage that we read was Mary's song. But if you, I want to actually read right before what happens. It's about Mary visits Elizabeth. And verse 39, it says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Elizabeth sees what God is doing in Mary's life. He sees how God is moving, in this case, literally. And in this context, as Elizabeth speaks that out, Mary is free and empowered to sing her song. Her voice is heard with rippling effects for centuries. And then it says, after Mary sings her song, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. I mean, that's a short verse, but, but Mary stayed in Elizabeth's care and encouragement. Her words of life spoken to her. A safe place where she, could, she and her story are believed. I think Elizabeth cheered her on. And it's in this context again that as Mary steps out in this new adventure, we can see her growing in her awareness of what society thinks of her, what God thinks of her, and most importantly, the magnificent character of the Savior. So 
back to launch. That's actually my note this year. Actually, thanks for making me talk on this or asking me to share on this. Um, I'm, as I'm writing our Christmas note to all the young people in our program, I am extending to them Christmas cheer because we all need to remember reasons for joy in this season, but also just cheer in life. That we're cheering them on as they grow spiritually and in character, as they make mistakes, as they try new things, and as they want to make a difference in this world. Um, that we believe in them, that we want to hear their voice and support them as they go and make this world better for good and for God. So, Thanks, Monica. I really like the way you brought in Elizabeth into uh, Mary's song because it wasn't that she just did it on her own, but really someone had to call out almost where God was working in her mm -hmm. life, right? She needed affirmation mm -hmm. and encouragement. So I think that's what community is about. Mm -hmm. it's, it's more than just you and God, but also that relationship with, with others. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and here, you could even say intergenerational yeah. uh, kind of relationship. So I think mm -hmm. that's so cool. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And as some of you may uh, know that we are looking to hire a new pastor, uh, Les is on the search committee, and she's telling me the story of, Les is one of our church members, uh, she was telling me the story that she was having a conversation with her husband just about the position and, and, you know, what it could be and who they could hire and this kind of thing. And one of her kids, Eden, was listening in on the conversation. And as, you know, kids do when they listen in, when you think they're not listening, but they are actually listening, she act, turned to uh, um, less and asked this question. She thought for a moment as if she was trying to come up with the right words and then said this. She said, hang on a sec, mom. If it's everyone's church, then why don't the kids get a say? What a great question. So I'm like, I, I emailed Les because she, she messaged, emailed me this. I'm like, what did you say? And then Les said, shut up, kid. The grown-ups are talking. <laughs> no, she didn't. No, no she didn't. <laughs> You, but sometimes that's what we do, right? With our kids, we kind of dismiss what they're saying and it's just like, you know what, you don't really know what's going on. This is grown-up talk. No, but she, that's, that's not what she says. She, she actually said, that's a great question. And it would be really neat to see how kids might be able to have input in things like this. And don't, don't kids have a way of calling us out on, on how we live out our lives? For instance, my kids once asked me why I drive faster than the speed limit when, you know, I talk to them always about keeping the rules or following the rules, and I, I go over the speed limit. And I have to say, well, it's okay as long as you go over, like, 10 kilometers, but <laughs> nothing more than that. <laughs> Isn't this what Eden is doing in some sense? She's calling us out. She's saying... You say that we matter to you. You say that we are part of the church of today and not the church of tomorrow, but then you don't include our voices in the things that matter. What would it look like for us to become a people who, like Elizabeth, to, to call out the image of God in each child and, and the gifts that God has given them? What would it look like to enact the kingdom of God, the kingdom reality, that the, that the kingdom of God belongs to children and youth and not grown-ups who know better? How do we empower, how do we walk alongside and remind them of the reality that God is with them and wants them to be in a loving relationship with them? How do we humble, humble ourselves and invite their voices into our decision-making processes? as valid and legitimate contributions.
In our passage from Joel today, the prophet looks forward to a time called the day of the Lord. This day would be the day in which Yahweh will pour out his spirit on all flesh, even on young people. So what would this day mean for young people? Joel chapter 2, 28. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men and women will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That day is the day. This, this passage is a passage that Peter quotes when, when, in the time of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. And we know that Yahweh has poured out his spirit on his people. Not just the wise, not just the rich, not just the educated, not just the males, not just adults. He will pour out his spirit on all people. They will prophesy, dream dreams, and the young people will see visions. They will see a world that can be different, a world that can change, a world that is theirs to be a part of and to make a difference in. The day of Yahweh has come. The Holy Spirit has come on all flesh. By diminishing and dismissing our children and youth, are we slowing down the kingdom of God on earth? Are we living under the old regime of, of oppression instead of, in this living in, instead of living in this new reality of the kingdom of God? So how do we as adults let go? How do we as adults encourage and impassion the vision of our young people? How do we not only teach our young people, but also to learn from them? How can they be the church of today and not just the church of tomorrow or when we think they're ready? And this is one thing I do appreciate about Spring Garden. We have strived to be an intergenerational community and continue to strive to include children and youth in the life of the church. This is why even virtually once a month we come together to worship as the whole people of God. We are all the people of God, not just a segment of the population. Spring Garden kids, Spring Garden youth, we need you. We need what you can offer to us. The Holy Spirit lives in you, and he wants to use your gifts to change the world. He wants to use your gifts to change our church, to change your schools. You have a voice, and your voice matters. I came across this great article by Ryan Kuja that is titled, Modern Mary, What a Pregnant Refugee Minority Teenager Would Sing Today. And this is an excerpt of what he says about Mary. He says, if Mary lived in our country today, she'd be a 14-year-old black girl struggling to get by in Flint or Jane and Finch, or an adolescent Latina eking out an existence with her immigrant parents in gentrifying El Paso or our Regent Park. And her song of praise to the anti-racist and anti-nationalist, pro-poor and pro-human rights God she worships might read something like this. I can't contain my excitement about this. Out of all people, he noticed me, a poor pregnant teenager. Everyone will call me blessed from now on. God's love is so much greater than I can even imagine. 
He showed his love for everyone, even those society despises. The LGBTQIA community, immigrants, refugees, the addicted and shamed. God knows Black Lives Matter. Refugees and immigrants are his beloved. All the people who are seen as less than human, he knows and loves. He lifts up those who are preyed upon by corrupt politicians, the hungry, the ones brutalized by the police and immigration customs enforcement, and families without health care. He invites each of us to the table to speak and tell our story, to be heard and known. The power-hungry perpetrators who care only about their agendas don't have the last word. I can sense his presence holding me and all his children close, faithfully liberating us, just as he promised he would.